So as you've picked up, um, this Easter we're reflecting on the final words of Jesus as he hung upon uh, the cross from three different accounts, hence the series title, Famous Last Words. And that phrase, famous last words, is generally used to refer to the actual uh, famous words of, of, of dying people. But last Sunday I shared that um, famed author of the Communist Manifesto, uh, Karl Marx, his, his final words were, were these. Go on, get out, he said. Last words of a fool's who have not yet said enough. And so I asked the question, was Jesus a fool? Had Jesus not said enough already? And of course that phrase, famous last words, can be used ironically, can't it, to express uh, the uncertainty of certain statements. So which one is it in, in Jesus' case? Well, I hope to help us see that they're not the words of a fool, who hadn't said enough, but actually some of the most important words ever uttered. And in John's account of the crucifixion, Jesus' final words are, it is finished. It is finished. And for the next few minutes, we're just going to think about what Jesus meant by them. Was he expressing that he had finally come to the end of just a really long day? You know what I mean, right? So uh, there are some days that are just so full, just so draining, that when you finally get home from work, when you finally put the kids into bed, you sit down and go, it's finished. It's a sense of relief, right? I had one of these days on Tuesday. I left at 5 a.m., got home at 11 p.m., right? 18-hour day, right? Was, Was Jesus... Uh, expressing that, the, the, the sort of, that sort of sentiment, that he'd finally come to the end of just a really long day. <laughs> well, let me walk you through his, his, his day. Because if you synthesise all four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you get a pretty good idea as to how it all went down. Now, of course, the times are approximate, but it was a really early start for Jesus. From about 4am to 6am, Jesus was tried before the high priests Annas and Caiaphas. That's from 4am to 6. From 6am to 8am, Jesus is tried before Pontius Pilate and Herod. They sort of play political ping pong for a while. He appears before Pilate and then Pilate sends him to Herod and then Herod sends him back to Pilate where he is finally sentenced to be crucified. From 8 to 8.30 a.m., Jesus carries his cross with Simon of Cyrene's help to Golgotha. At 9 a.m., Jesus is crucified. From about 9 to 9.30, the soldiers divide his clothing while Jesus prays for them. For the next two hours, from 9.30, which is around now, to about 11.30, Jesus speaks from the cross to the thieves on either side. Join us for Easter Sunday as we unpack that conversation. And at that time, he also speaks, he also asks one of his disciples, John, to look after his, Mary, his mother, Mary. At noon, a three-hour darkness descends upon the land. And from noon to three, there are earthquakes, the temple curtain is torn, and Jesus thirsts. And then at 3 p.m., Jesus says, it is finished. And then he gives us his 
gives up his spirit. Right, it had been a really long day for Jesus at the end of a really long week. But there's more to it than that. So what did Jesus mean by them and why are they some of the most important words ever uttered? Well, actually, technically, uh, these are not Jesus' famous last words. They are actually Jesus' famous last word. Here it is in Greek, telestai. In Greek, it's just the one word which we translate into uh, it is finished. But this one word expresses not just something that is finished, but something that has been completed, something that has been accomplished. Right? When we get home from a big day at work or uh, when we finally put the kids uh, to bed, we sit down and there's this sense of relief. We say, it's finished for now. <laughs> because, of course, the next morning we wake up and it all starts again. Right? But that's not what is being expressed here. So what is finished or what has been completed or accomplished, or simply put, Jesus has finished what he'd come into the world to do. You see, for three years now, Jesus has been saying things like, my hour has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But then finally, only a few chapters early, we read this, Father, the hour has come. He says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those, who, uh, those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought glory, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What was the work that he'd been given to do? He'd been sent to suffer and die for the sins of the world. You see, there's something much bigger going on here. And actually, after Easter, we're going to be digging into this a little deeper here at church. So I want to encourage you to come and join us as we sort of put all the pieces together. But if this is new to you, then I want to give another plug to Christianity Explored, where you get to ask any question you like of us and of the Bible. But here is the story of the Bible in a nutshell. You ready? From beginning to end, the Bible proclaims God's eternal sovereignty over all things. He reigns supreme as both creator and sustainer of all that exists. And yet unexpectedly, the Bible also recounts in detail, how Adam and Eve rejected God as their king with disastrous consequences for the rest of humanity, for the history of humanity. And life on earth became chaotic as another replaced his rule. But God did not abandon us to our fate. As in a process spanning generations, years, thousands of years, God embarked on a mission to rescue us from the power of sin and death. And this is the mission that lies at the heart of the biblical story. And there are many parts to it, but one essential part is God's promise and provision of a king who would rule God's people in God's place under God's rule. And the Bible makes it clear that actually Jesus is this long-awaited king now, John has already, if you've read John before, he's already given us these tantalizing glimpses as to how it is that Jesus is king. Think of him riding in to Jerusalem on the donkey. 
But the crucifixion account, John 19, is just full of these kingly pictures and these kingly uh, words, isn't it? So at the very first, very um, opening of, of chapter 19, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they clothed him in a purple robe, it's a royal colour, and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face and they would almost certainly have done so one at a time, offering him mock homage as king, likely by kneeling before him, before rising and slapping him in the face, one at a time. And the Jewish leaders are adamant. They say, we have no king but Caesar. And yet, in verse 19, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now, this got under the skin of the high priests. But Pilate says, look, I've written what I've written. This entire scene is just dripping with irony, isn't it? He was the king of kings who had come from among God's people to save God's people. That was his kingly duty. And so finally, as he hung upon the cross, we read later, knowing that everything had, been, now, had, been, had now been finished and so that the scripture would be filled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ is the completion of the work of the Father through the Son, fulfilling the whole of Scripture do you notice, to the tiniest detail. And this final word declared that everything the Father wanted to accomplish had been completed to perfection in the person and work of his son, Jesus. See, to the world, no doubt, Jesus' defeat was complete, right? Nothing seems further from victory than a corpse on a cross. And yet it was, in fact, a decisive victory over sin and death and even Satan himself. So it is finished. It's no cry of defeat. It's a victory cry. It's a victory cry. Jesus had earlier insisted that no one would take his life from him, that he would lay it down of his own accord. And do you notice that's what he does here? Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He'd finished the work he'd come to do. And after this, before night set in, the soldiers thrust a spear into Jesus' side just to make sure that he was dead. And then they permitted Joseph of Arimathea to take down Jesus' body and bury him in a nearby grave. And they sealed the grave with a large round stone built to sort of roll like a giant wheel into place, covering the mouth of the tomb. And everyone expected that he would remain in the tomb because that's what people who have been dead and buried do. <laughs> they stay dead and buried. But it is finished is not the same as this is the end. Because, of course, this wasn't the end. 
And that's what we call a Good Friday. The great work of salvation had been finished. It was finished, but it wasn't the end. And friends, here is what all this means for you. That it is finished and accomplished means that you don't have to finish it or be accomplished. I'll say that again. That it is finished and accomplished means that you don't have to finish it or be accomplished. So some of, some of the greatest minds in history have, have, have wrestled with this. And so Isaac Newton's uh, final words were these. He says, I don't know what I may seem to the world, but as to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself now and then in finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than the ordinary, whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. Right? This is Isaac Newton who invented calculus. <laughs> he studied the nature of light, who established a universal law of gravity <laughs> and the laws of motion. Apparently, Leonardo da Vinci's last words were these. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. This is Leonardo da Vinci. Isn't it interesting that neither could simply say, it is finished. It is finished. Whereas when it comes to his great work of salvation, Jesus could and Jesus did. And the good news of the gospel is that we can too. We can too. Because his finished work is ours by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Friends, let me pray. Father, whether this is old news for us or whether this is new news to us, Today, may we know and rejoice in the good news that Jesus finished the great work of salvation upon the cross, that we don't need to finish it. We just need to trust that you did. Amen. Friends, I'm going to invite the...